The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live on bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. instance. The devil said to him, I shall give to you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, I don't know if you caught it, but I think one of the greatest understatements in Scripture, we had one of the greatest understatements in Scripture uh, today in the Gospel. After not eating anything for 40 days, he was hungry. I'm hungry after a few hours of not eating something. He was starving, right? Um, he was starving in the midst of it, and it's kind of a, a strange thing for us to think about about why he was doing what he was doing, right? Why would he go out in the desert and not eat anything for 40 days? 40 days of Lent for us is difficult enough when we just don't eat meat on Fridays, right? But yet he for 40 days didn't eat anything. To give a little bit of context to the situation, uh, this is right at the start of the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus, the Gospel of Luke, has the the infancy narrative, so we hear about Jesus' birth. Then we don't hear anything about him between his birth and his baptism, except for one instance where he's lost in the temple, and then his baptism. This Gospel today takes, takes place right after the baptism. In another gospel, it talks about how as soon as immediately after being baptized, the Holy Spirit drives him out into the desert. Now that's an interesting kind of connection. Here he is, he's starting his public mystery for the first time when he's about 30 years old, right? So he hasn't done anything major, he hasn't worked any miracles, he hasn't given any great speeches. He's baptizing, you think, now... Right? The Holy Spirit has descended upon him. The Father is with him. And the first thing that he does 
is run away from everybody into obscurity. It's kind of not what we would think we would want to do in the midst of our first public ministry, right? If we want to change the world, the first thing that we've got to do is start to get a following. But the first thing that Jesus does is goes into the wilderness, into the desert, and fasts and prays and has a special closeness in prayer, but also experiences great temptation. The desert is always a place of closeness with God, but also a place of temptation, a place of wilderness, a dominion in some ways of Satan. But yet this amazing closeness of God. We see this in Exodus, where the Israelites are leaving Israel, and God is working powerful miracles in their journey in the desert, where water is springing from rocks, Manna comes up in the morning and quail floods their camp. And there's a great pillar of fire leading them. And yet the Israelites are still drawn to temptation all the time. It's this interesting kind of back and forth of closeness of God, of pursuing Him, but yet temptation. We can sometimes in our life experience this as well, right? Closeness with God, but yet temptation to turn away from Him, to make other gods, to place other things uh, over priority of Him, or just other more subtle means of temptation. And we can sometimes think that Jesus doesn't understand our temptation, right? Kind of like, well, you don't know the world that I'm living in, right? You don't know the, the family that I have, right? You don't understand my workplace. Well, but Jesus maybe doesn't exactly understand our modern world in our modern way of understanding it, but he understands humanity, and he understands temptation in every way. We hear in another place in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sinning. We ourselves have been given in our baptism a sufficient amount of grace not to sin, but yet we often do. Without God's grace, we, are, we don't have the power not to sin, but with God's grace, we do have the power not to sin. We do have the grace not to sin. But yet, we often are not as strong as Jesus in the midst of that all. So the three different temptations show us three different ways that he's kind of tempted in the midst of it all. The first temptation is a very small temptation. Well, I I shouldn't say it's small. It's small in its, its aim. Jesus is starving at this point, right? He's not eaten for 40 days. And, G, and Satan offers him something that's good, right? Bread. Eating. Something that, by accounts, are, is not bad. Why don't you just change that rock into bread and have something to eat? But Jesus realizes and knows that he went into the desert not to be fed by bread alone, but by the Word of God, by by that emptiness, by that weakness, by that humility. And so even though that he's starving and that temptation comes, 
he's able to say, no, I came here for a reason. I'm here for a reason not to just eat, not to just give in, not to just seek good things, but to seek the best things. And Satan often does that, where he doesn't tempt us with the worst evil or really bad things, but he'll sometimes tempt us with less than good things. He'll tempt us with lesser goods and have us pursue those as opposed to the great things that God desires for us in the midst of it all. Jesus responds with Scripture, reminding himself and reminding Satan who God is and reminding what he's made for, that he's made for not to just live on bread alone. The second temptation goes a little bit deeper. Satan, of course, shows him all of the kingdoms of the world. And we can kind of think in some ways that Jesus came to establish a kingdom, right? The apostles thought that as well, very clearly, right? Jesus came as the Messiah, and the thought was that the Messiah would rid them of the Roman Empire, right? Kick out the Romans and be able to establish an Israelite kingdom once again. But yet, Jesus, instead of kicking out the Romans, allowed the Romans to humiliate him, crucify him, kill him, shame him. And for us, that often doesn't make sense. Satan here tempts him with something that we think would be great, right? If Jesus is the king of all the nations, great. Then he's accomplished his mission, which is to get his name out there, right? To let people know, to allow him to have that power over us. But it's not the power that Satan can give. What is Jesus' mission? Not just to rule in an earthly way. He did not come to bring world peace, universal prosperity, or a better world in a certain extent, right? He didn't bring those things solely. Those are consequences, hopefully, of what his true mission is. The heart of his mission aren't those things. The heart of his mission is to bring God to us. And sometimes... Satan is tempting him with the, right, the ends justify the means. Well, we're just trying to do a better world, so whatever it takes to get there. No, the ends do not justify the means. Jesus understands that his mission is not just to take control, but to bring God, even if that means, to a certain extent, to suffer greatly in the midst of all. Satan... And his third temptation gets smart, right? Jesus responds to the other two temptations with Scripture, with that foundational understanding of who God is and who He is and His relationship with God through Scripture and responds to Him with that. Well, Satan, of course, isn't a dummy. Satan was one of the greatest angels before his fall. He is pure intellect. He's an angel. And... With that, he knows Scripture better than any human being knows Scripture. He's one of the greatest theologians, and he understands more about God than we ourselves understand about God. And so he uses Scripture to try to tempt, right? 
Well, doesn't God, you know, this is the temptation that we hear uh, ourselves all the time is, doesn't God love you? Doesn't he care for you? If he's real, well, then he should, right, take care of you in every way. Because scripture says that he command his angels concerning you to guard you. And with your hands, they will support you lest you dash your foot against a stone. And if that's true, then, then, right, you shouldn't hurt at all. You shouldn't have any difficulty because his angels are guarding you. And so why don't you test it, right? That's the ultimate temptation. Why don't you, why don't you test that? Does God really love you? Is he really real? Why don't you test it just to make sure? And Satan tempts him with this. To try to say kind of that greatest kind of identity of who Jesus is. Are you really the Son of God? And Jesus responds knowing that he doesn't need that answer, but that he trusts the Father completely and understands that you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And that ultimately, that God does care for our greatest good but that there are times of difficulty in this world. We come in the midst of Lent in this wilderness, hopefully a closeness to God, but also a place of temptation. The world is filled with temptation. May we ourselves uh, not just try to fight temptation with just our own will and just a strengthening of our self-will, Because by ourselves, we are lost. But with God's grace, with Jesus Christ who experienced every temptation but yet was without sin, with his help, with his grace, with our continued turning to him who understands the temptations that we undergo by turning to him in the midst of it all, we will accomplish the mission that Jesus ultimately came here for which is to give us God. To not establish an earthly power with power over us from an external, but power over us from an internal love and choice of Jesus Christ. May we choose him this day, this Sunday, and every day of these 40 days of Lent, and every day of our entire life.